Hello and welcome everybody to, according to Andrew, number 111, Depopulation in Exchange for Political Privilege. So, it's not the best title, maybe, but um, I'll get into it and hopefully it'll all make sense. Uh, on the cover we have uh, the French in the Seven Years' War and King Louis VIII, no, 16th. Um, some of you might be wondering uh, what these people have to do with what I just uh, explained. Or is it the 17th? I think it was the 16th that ended. Uh... No, it had to be the 17th, because Louis XV was... Yeah, so anyway, the one that died in the Revolution. Um, but what does it have to do with that? So I was reading this book, uh, Rise of Napoleon Bonaparte, which is great so far. Uh, not too um, difficult to read or anything like that. Uh, you know, you're not getting lost uh, easily. Uh, pretty easy. Uh, Well-written, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um I haven't gotten too far, but I made an observation, and instead of what I usually do, which is wait until this entire book is done, and then talk to you guys all about those observations uh, in one giant podcast, uh, this seemed like a big enough topic to cover a whole podcast, and adding a podcast inside of a podcast when you're doing a book review uh, makes them very, very long. So I'm going to try to avoid doing that in the future. Um... But what an interesting thing that occurred or popped up uh, within this is obviously uh, French society had stagnated by this point. And so uh, it was very interesting to see um, what kind of uh, happened there and what's happening here. And uh, we can kind of see uh, what's going on. So there's a great quote in here from... Uh, General Comte Saint-Germain, uh, who strongly condemned the distinction between court and provincial nobility, between rich and the poor, the former at once comes out uh, by the senior grades as it is right, the latter by the sole misfortune of birth and poverty, and is condemned to st uh, stagnate in its junior grades. This practice is doubly pernicious. The first group does not have to work in order to succeed. The second does not work because it is useless. Thus... All ambition is destroyed, but without ambition, uh, man is nothing and can only vegetate. And that kind of rung very true with me, with all of the stuff that we've kind of seen over the last uh, coming years, where um, you know you're if you're not politically privileged, you can't get hired for a job. It doesn't matter if you're competent or not. Uh, none of that stuff matters anymore. The only thing that truly matters is whether or not you are going to you're seen as favored within the political establishment. Now, that has its upsides and it has its downsides. And I think one of those downsides is uh, the price for that political privilege, that, that price for power is a uh, depopulation. Um, so what's going on right now, if you're not familiar with Church and uh, Cycles of History, I'll do a quick review. Um, I've covered it on other books. Look at my um, reviews on, and I'll link them up in the top corner, of... Uh, his uh, cyclic uh, cycles of history and stuff like that. Uh, ages of the the reviews are of uh, ages of discord. I think I talk about it in and secular cycles. Um, the other one that it probably uh, touches on it is he had uh, historical dynamics. So those are his three books that he's written um, on the topic. I uh, definitely recommend all three of those books. Historical dynamics uh, gives the greatest range of theories uh, within it, and the other two are more case studies of uh, the secular cycle. Uh, theory and the 
kaleidodynamic theory, something like that. Um, anyway, the idea goes, uh, you, you have a basically new, uh, new, the, the short of it, uh, that you've probably heard is, uh, strongman, or, uh, clogs going up the stairs, uh, or wooden shoes going up the stairs, silk slippers, uh, coming down. The other adage is, uh, strong men make good times, good times make soft men, soft men make hard times, and then hard times make, uh, strong men. Those are the quick and dirty adages of it. The longer form of it is basically, uh, the, when it, when a society starts out, there's enough political positions to, for the current crop of elite. Over time, as populations grow and stuff like that, that crop of elite grows. That crop of elite then has to compete for what generally stays... Generally, what happens is the elite uh, population growth outgrows the amount of positions within the political structure. And so, to kind of compensate for that, um, it eventually... It, uh, causes issues. So basically, as the elite class grows, they're, uh, the pie in which they get to take from in terms of taxes and stuff like that doesn't grow as fast. So uh, then taxes get raised, which then puts more pressure on the lower classes. They're making less money and stuff like that usually leads to economic stagnation. So then more of those people are uh, looking to push their way into the uh, privileged class or the, the politically connected class. Uh, as that happens, they're the slice of the pie uh, gets chopped up even more on the top, which then puts more pressure on the bottom. And this cycle just kind of continues uh, until eventually there is no other option for uh, politically ambitious besides um, overthrowing the current regime and replacing it with a new one. <clears throat> I'll let you take your guess as to where we think we are in that process, but I'm thinking we're towards the splintering part. <laughs> um what that ends up looking like, we'll see. Um, one of those splinter groups could be considered the Trump thing. Maybe he isn't. Maybe he is. Maybe he's one of the first ones. Maybe he's not. Generally, you know, it takes a couple uh, cracks at it. You could maybe even argue uh, some of the early attempts at this were people like uh, Pat Buchanan and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but there's so that that's kind of the setup. And to just kind of get back to the French situation and how bad it got. Uh, in France, the main uh, place that they ended up expanding their uh, political privilege was within the, the army. So, uh, in 1775, the king named seven new marshals whose qualifications were virtually nil, a fact not lost on cynical French public, which uh, categorized them on the basis of the seven deadly sins. Um, in 1776, the kingdom supported uh, 535 general officers, of whom 20 were marshals. Uh, to put this in context, I believe Napoleon, uh, who literally was fighting wars for like 20 straight years, might have had 20 marshals. Maybe. Um, and uh, actually, uh, who is it? Uh, Something History TV has like a whole thing on Napoleon's marshals and goes through each one of them and ranks them all. Uh, it's a great thing if you're interested in, in that. Definitely go check that out. Uh, 167 uh, lieutenant generals, 364 brigadier generals, and no fewer than 1,500 general staff officers. Uh, and this is actually something that is argued in, or by uh, Lind, uh, Bill Lind, um, that we have too many, in our military, there are too many 
upper echelon uh, generals and not enough uh, non-commissioned officers or maybe commissioned officers. Basically, your uh, your guys in the field that are getting stuff done. And there's too many people kind of that in positions that make them feel important, but really they just push papers and don't really do much. In 1789, the roster would uh, number 966 brigadier generals and 1,918 general staff officers, which worked out of one o- uh, which worked out for one officer for 75 men and one general for 157 men in the army. The highest-ranking officers, princes uh, of the blood, received 60,000 levers. Basically, the, it cost the uh, state a crap ton of money to keep them all employed and doing absolutely nothing. Um, but this is something that we kind of see today in the HR departments and other uh, aspects. And so we can kind of see that this uh, expanse comes at a cost. So uh, French army and society at large is uh, was gridlocked by political favoritism. Uh, court standing was far more important skill set uh, for than the skill for the given task, thus destroying all motivation to move up. Uh, as uh, you know, due to uh, since you aren't royalty, there is no opportunity. And we kind of see that a similar thing kind of playing out today. It's not as bad, but... Well, I don't know if it's not as bad, but... Uh, but this is echoed in wokeism today. If you're a straight white male, you are not allowed to advance. Uh, thus, why try? Uh, the main problem with both circumstances is that advancement was based on immutable characteristics. Uh, that leaves no option for you to play the game. Uh, so... What I mean by that is uh, there's certain things where maybe you're really good. This is something that gammas fall into all the time. Uh, well, they're really smart, and so they want women to be attracted to the fact that they're really smart. Well, guess what? Women aren't attracted to that. So you can either uh, hope that women change, which isn't going to happen, or you can change how how you play the game so that you can actually start winning. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the same thing with, like, you know, you're on a basketball court, and you're mad that they're not playing football. Well, it's like, dude, you're playing basketball. You know, like, understand the rules of the game, play the game. Um, and so, and then, you know, if it changes over to football, you know, now you got maybe skill sets to be able to play both. <clears throat> um, but when it's, when it's something of, like, are you, uh, you know, were you born into a royal family? Yes or no? Okay, well, I didn't really have a choice in that, right? Were you born, um, you know, one of the seen as the disadvantaged groups or whatever? Yes or no? Well, no. But uh, don't worry, you're not going to want to be a part of that group because it comes at a pretty high cost. Uh, We'll get to that. Uh, This leaves no option to play the game of courtly appeal versus uh, competence, for example. Um, There is technically a choice uh, with wokeism due to the trans movement uh, from... Uh, most of it isn't worth it. I would say it. I'm surprised anyone's taking this deal, but it's technically an option. Um, but uh, for those that are willing to, to uh, chop their cock off, uh, you can great, gain great favor within the court and therefore uh, have a way to get around the circumstances of your birth. So if you really, really wanted political power, this is an option. But this is part of what I talked about uh, depopulation is the price for power. You can't, if you want power uh, nowadays, you aren't allowed to reproduce. That's why um, liberals are given power because they basically have zero kids. 
that's why gays are given power because their um, power will be passed to someone else by the next generation because they can't have kids. Um, anyone that can secure power for uh, generations to come by having lots of kids isn't allowed to get power because they are a direct threat to the political power uh, system that exists. And there's too many elites already. <clears throat> uh, we'll get to that. Uh, I don't recommend playing this game uh, in terms of uh, the trans thing. Uh, and based on the reaction of society at large, they uh, don't really have an interest in playing it either, but technically it is an option. Um, as always, it comes down to the core issue of having too many politically privileged people, but not enough positions within societal, uh, societal structure uh, for all those people. I think a large factor of limited government is a limited elite class in terms of uh, limited amount of population. <clears throat> if you have barely enough elites to fill all the halls of the Senate, then you certainly aren't going to start an alphabet soup agencies uh, that you can't staff. Um, as the elite population grows, the need to find jobs for all these elite uh, increases, and so the alphabet soup agencies are uh, developed. Then, after that, after you run out of that, they develop into woke HRs. Uh, in the last days of the French monarchy, as we discussed, um, they were funneled into the army, and that's why there were so many uh, generals and stuff like that. As long as there is a place to funnel uh, aspirant elites and uh, children of elites, uh, you generally won't have splinter factions develop. It seems that this game has come to an end in our our time in the United States right now, uh, as the Leviathan of government has pervaded just about as many corners of society as it possibly can. Technically, we can go full socialist and go a little bit farther, but it's um, the distance between uh, like hitting its hard ceiling and like kind of what we can pull back from is uh, there's there's a lot less room there versus uh, other spots. Uh, what it really comes down to is the elite population needs to be reduced by an extraordinary amount. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to happen or what should be done or, you know, I'm not saying do any violence or whatever, but it's just something to consider that um, the elite population needs to go down, which might explain why there's been such of this depopulation push all of the sudden. Uh, and it seems kind of weird, but then you, you think about like who's being affected and it seems like the people that are supposedly on the side of the depopulationists, but in reality, they're kind of not. So right now, the uh, with the uh, victimhood Olympics, generally, what is how it's working out is you have to sacrifice your lineage in exchange for political power. Um, gays basically are self-sabotaged out of political power because they can't have children. Uh, liberals don't really have a lot of kids. Uh, liberals are the most likely to get the jabba jabba ding dong. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, oh, and college-educated. Um, Liberals are the least to have are the least likely to have a lot of kids, so all that's going against them, um, and so this is one of one of the reasons they're allowed to basically have power is because uh, they're they know that they're if they're they're given power they're not going to basically outstrip uh, the amount they're they're basically running out of positions already so they need to kind of shrink the the size of it of uh, the amount of elite and privileged uh, positions within society, and to do that, um, 
basically they're like, look, if you want political power and stuff like that, the the chain, the exchange, and it's not like, you know, this isn't really like discussed. It's just kind of how it's playing out is, hey, if you want political power, you have to give up um, your ability to con- continue on your lineage. <clears throat> um, so then moving on to more theoretical basis for stuff, for all those people who are always talk about small government and wanting to have small government and stuff like that. Um, I don't think they realize if this theory holds true, whether or not, uh, what the cost of that is. Um, so let's see here. Um, so as an example, if you want a small government, then you probably need about 90% of your elite and elite aspirants, um, need to be, uh, need to die or be somehow forced out. They pretty much have to die. I'm not going to really mince words about that. Um, because if they're just forced out, then they have a chance to come back and and create a sprinter faction that's going to cause a civil war, which is, you're probably going to have a lot of those if you want a small government. Um, uh, they need to die every generation, uh, to not put pressure on the expanding roles, uh, put pressure to expand roles within government uh, for those pursuing power. Either that, or you need to accept near-constant civil wars, which effectively does the same thing. Now, if we look at why the United States government stayed small for so long, uh, the reason the U.S. managed to keep a small government is because of manifest destiny and the near-constant conquest of the continent, and therefore increasing the elite positions opened up as new uh, states were founded. Once the stop... uh, once that stopped, the government bank began to grow because they needed places to put those people. Um, and as I talk about this more, I'm, this might have been uh, Turchin's thesis. I don't actually remember. Uh, sometimes you have that issue where you read stuff so much that uh, it all kind of com- becomes a blur in your head, and you're not sure if you read that somewhere or if you came up with the idea on your own. Um, I... Additionally, to this point about America, I wonder if that was the driving force between the British Empire. Colonial governorships allowed elites to hold positions of power when none were available within the UK Parliament, uh, thus giving a pressure relief valve to uh, for elite competition. Uh, in this way, uh, the depopulationists might be right when they're talking about elites and elite aspirants when they're looking... Uh, when they're, when they're saying that there's too too high of a population, we assume that they mean in the world. And generally about how they've been talking, that seems to be the case. But there is a small chance that they actually just mean um, the elite. Uh, there's like basically too many people, there's too many chiefs, not enough Indians um, kind of thing. And so they're looking to scale the amount of chiefs back within society so that society can be uh, run better. Thus, maybe the low birth rate of 2.5 children is correct for the elite, uh, or the basically the, the politically privileged, the people running uh, society, while a higher birth rate of 7 is better suited for the commoner class. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, children are wealth, so, like, don't sacrifice having a bunch of kids just because you want to be considered uh, a you know, don't want to be considered a commoner or whatever. There's, uh, this, this is the kind of things that you have to sacrifice and, and, uh, for power and stuff like that. So that's for anyone that's has ambitions to rule the world and stuff like that. Um, which considering 
some of my uh, people that I looked up to are, you know, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, uh, Napoleon. Uh, you know, I kind of fall into that camp. I don't. I, I gotta imagine there's a lot of guys who are like, like, dude, could I like do it? Could I like be one of these guys? Um, anyway, uh, so one other aspect of this is. Uh, the style of war could give insight into which form of overpopulation the elite suspect. Uh, if there are too many subjects to manage for the given elite, uh, then a meat grinder type war that kills off masses of commoner, of the commoner class uh, is what develops your World War Ones. Um, there's, by the way, this last point is just kind of me throwing stuff at the wall. I don't really have anything that necessarily does this, and it, I'll, it kills off a lot of the com- most wars kill off a ton of the commoner class. But uh, World War One and World War Two were especially that way, and I believe the Thirty Years' War had a, a lot of uh, civilian-type death, whereas you compare it to other wars, uh, a lot of the wars in the 1700s and stuff like that, a lot of that was uh, professional armies, and while there were a lot of um, normal-type guys that would, men that would die in those wars, uh, a lot of those guys were basically ex-criminals that they forced into the army um, out of jail, and they're like, you're gonna fight? And, or you can you can either get shot now, or you can maybe survive on the battlefield. And they're like, shot later sounds good to me. Um, and uh, but the people that were running all those armies were generally the uh, it was the second it was uh, the first one. The first son gets the inheritance. The second son goes into the army, and the third son goes into the church. Uh, was generally how old aristocracies ran their families when they had a lot of kids. So that meant the second son was probably the most likely to die. Um, and they had a lot of disease back then. So maybe that wasn't necessarily the case, but, um, but yeah, so that, uh, if you need the elite killed off, you would have a civil war type scenario, or you would potentially have a professional army type situation, which I just described. Uh, fighting each other with high officer fatalities. Um, if you look at the uh, German uh, World War II uh, Wehrmacht, that would be a good example of you trying to kill off a lot of your potential elite aspired uh, type stuff because a lot, the the way they ran that military um, put a lot of your very important commissioned officers and non-commissioned officers, your, your lieutenants, your sergeants, the guys that are on the front lines uh, with the soldiers and stuff like that in... Uh, very dangerous positions and a lot of times got them killed and that led to uh, officer turnover that they couldn't afford to have even though it made their army very very effective at what it, um, at the third generation of warfare that they were uh, operating at we're not going to get to the third generation warfare look that up later um, look up uh, Lind if you're, you you want to know about that um, Uh, I don't think the elites have uh, much control of this or even are even consciously making these decisions. I think this is just kind of something, various pressures within society that make this play out. Uh, maybe they're con- maybe if they are controlled by demons, uh, the demons have a you know master plan that they're trying to work out. Uh, even that, it's a crude tool at best. So this last point, definitely just kind of take it with a grain of salt. But um, that's kind of my thoughts on that. And I thought maybe that would be uh, kind of interesting. If you did find it interesting, please like, share, subscribe. It's always appreciated. We're on BitChute. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, Podbean and all the other podcasts uh, that you can get. Your Apple Podcasts, your Google po- Podcasts, stuff like that. Because um, I'm terrible at marketing, 
uh, BitChute and YouTube are under Upchuck McDuck. Uh, the Podbean and the Apple Podcasts and stuff like that are all under According to Andrew. Uh, the biggest, the easiest way to, to tell is the Duck logo is on all of them. <laughs> so that is the one consi- that is the one consistent thing I have. Uh, hopefully my also I'm not sure if I'm too high or or anything like that uh, in terms of the volume. Um, I, I don't want to be peaking or anything like that. Uh, so let me know if it's uh, too high or too low. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, trying to get that just right for everybody uh, can be a challenge. Anyway, thank you guys for listening, and hopefully you guys have a good day. Goodbye.